Welcome back to Two Jack Bros, and of course, welcome and thank you for giving us a shot if it's your first time. I'm Sydney. I'm sitting next to Ansley. Hello. And today, our guest is none other than the Zach Amico. Thank you for having me, guys. God, thank you for being here, Zach. This is going to be a really exciting day. Yes. Pumped about this. And before we get into it, I have to say, please go out there and do all of the things you do to show love and support to a podcast. Rate, review, especially on iTunes. And check out Zach Amico's Buy Guys podcast that he does with Ian Finance, who you guys all loved. Mm-hmm. And he also does Midnight Spook Show, which is one of my favorite podcasts to do, where we watch horror movies and just talk about them. Yeah, it was just people yapping over movies, much like when you watch a movie with friends. Sometimes you talk about the movie, sometimes you talk about anything else but. But like way funnier friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your bullshit friends. <laughs> yeah, and then you have a cartoon. I have a new cartoon out. It comes out on Gas Digital Network as well as YouTube every Monday. It's called Foolishly Ghoulish. It's my version of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, where I host a different spooky story every week, and it's kind of dirty, it's kind of grungy. Think uh, somewhere between MTV Liquid Television in the 90s and like going on Newgrounds in like 2003 and watching a Flash animation. Very, very silly throwback. Nice. Zach does all of the coolest shit. Yeah. (laughs) such cool shit. Yeah, so I have two up now, six more coming out. Nice. Yeah. And uh, Zach, are you somewhat familiar with how this podcast works at all? I'm not. I apologize. Hell yeah. No, that's not a problem. We always prefer it. Yeah. Right. So basically what we do in this podcast, the whole premise is to prove that you can have a dark, twisted sense of humor, basically your sense of humor and still reach a higher consciousness. So what we do is we take our guests through the process of enlightenment so that us and the people watching can get a little bit closer to a higher consciousness vicariously through you sounds fun hell yeah so uh we're just gonna hop right into it because i think this is gonna be a blast mm-hmm. so everybody gets the same questions zach and the first question we'd like to ask everybody is uh what situation or experience has given you the most information I was kind of lost for a long time. It took me a long time to find myself. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of lost years. Um, I started doing comedy. I wasn't really committed to it. I was selling comedy tickets. I was up all night, sleeping all day, kind of living like an animal. And uh, it had always been my dream to work for this company called Troma Entertainment. Uh, They make low-budget horror movies. And I interned for them for a little while. Uh, it didn't really pan, you know, nothing was really happening. I left to go, uh, try comedy some more. didn't really work out. And they put out an ad that said, we're making a movie, uh, come audition. And I just walked in the door and they said, do you have anything prepared? I said, no, I just want to, it's been my dream to die in one of your movies since I'm 12 years old. (laughs) And they said, do you do, do you have any talents? I went, uh, I have a really good scream. I have a really high pitched loud scream. And, uh, I'm willing to be naked. <laughs> and they called me back. And then they called me back again. <laughs> and they called me back again. That's what I said to audition for dating Ansley. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you had better credentials. <laughs> and then one day they said, hey, you, you know, you said you would do a nude scene. Would you audition nude? And I show up. And the village voice is there, the film, <laughs> with a photographer and cameras. 
and I just did it. I got completely naked. I did this thing uh, that in horror movies is called a Brahmo puke. And that is where you take Brahmo seltzer, which is like an old school Alka seltzer that fizzes more, mm -hmm. and you crush it up into a powder. And then you take a Dixie cup full of water with green food coloring or whatever color you want the puke to be. And you put them both in your mouth and hold it as long as you can. <laughs> and then you explode. <laughs> and uh, I've been watching people do this effect for years. So I already knew because your, your instinct when you throw up on camera is to hurl your head down because that's how you would vomit. Yeah. But when you do it in a movie, you want your head up and you want your eyes wide. And I knew this from years of watching these movies. So I just nail it. I explode <laughs> green everywhere. They clean me up. There's a naked picture of me in the Village Voice that I don't know about that's coming out. And I'm in Times Square selling comedy tickets. I'm living with a girl at the time. I'm broke. I have nothing. I'm miserable. And I get a call from the producer of the movie. And he says, hey, we're thinking you got the part that you auditioned for. <laughs> But you're a comedian, right? I go, yeah. And they go, well, we're looking for somebody to be the second assistant director. And you would basically uh, work with all the extras. And we're going to have about 500 extras. Now, they didn't tell me that they didn't have them. <laughs> and that was going to be part of my job. Yeah. And they said, we're going to need you to work around 500 people and kind of keep them entertained all day and help direct them. And I said, yeah, I'm interested. And they went, well, we're going to shoot the movie. And I'm living in New York City. We're going to shoot the movie in Buffalo. Yeah. Oh. And if you want the job, this is a Thursday. said, we're leaving Monday morning. And I said, yeah, I'll come sign the contract. And I walked up to my boss and quit. Yeah. Signed the contract. Called the girl I was living with after and said, <laughs> I'm moving to Buffalo. I'll keep paying rent until I'm back, and then we'll figure it out. And I just went on essentially was going to be artistic boot camp. Yeah. Where I learned how to be an artist. Uh, I went to film school, but that didn't really... That taught me how to meet people, I guess. Yeah. But I had no money, no resources. Uh, we made two movies for under 250 grand, back to back. And I had to get... 500 extras to show up in Buffalo in <laughs> Buffalo and Niagara Falls, New York. And it was just DIY how to get people excited, how to keep people going. And we were shooting 16 hour days and I had to keep the extras there all day for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And that's where I learned how to just, people please and, and keep people going and you know we'll have days where the extras have been on set for eight hours and they haven't been used yet yeah and what do i do i gotta you know i gotta meet everybody i gotta find out where everybody's from i gotta find out everybody's story because even if they're not being used if they're being given attention and they know somebody cares about them and that they're a person and not just a cog in this machine then they're part of it yeah. Yeah. That's the most important lesson I ever learned is that everyone has their own story and everyone is important mm -hmm. and it all falls apart without every individual. Wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. How old were you when you did this? 23. Okay. Yeah. I think it's impressive that you did all this while being naked. 
<laughs> so what's funny, it's a, it was a, a, a gross-out high school movie. Yeah. And I had all these, you know, 20-somethings that played all the high school kids. And then the scene where I'm naked, what happens is the two girls prank me and tell me to go into this empty classroom and that they're going to fuck me. So, and they say, take off all your clothes. So I take off all my clothes. I run in with my eyes closed and it's a parent-teacher conference. <laughs> but we had no parent-teacher extras. So I asked all the kids in the movie, do your parents want to do a scene? <laughs> and I got 30 of their parents to show up and they showed up and I went, well, guys, here's the catch. <laughs> There's going to be nudity in this scene. Is everybody okay with that? And they said, yes. They all started taking off their clothes. <laughs> yeah. And I went, well, it's me. <laughs> and they went, that's fine. But then I still had to do my job. Yeah. So I'm still assistant directing and helping people and like doing my job and I'm wearing a sheet yeah. <laughs> in between takes. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was on, I think that was designed on purpose yeah. as a trial by fire because now I've made three about to go on four movies with this company. And I think that was my that was my torture to see if I was going to stick around. I mean, stand up must have been so easy after that experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're oddly similar. Yeah, in that you're, um, you're keep because we romanticize what we do. Yeah, really, we have to keep a room filled of people entertained so that they keep buying overpriced drinks until we play theaters, <laughs> uh, and then that's no longer the case. But it, it's crowd control. It's it's working with people, and it is giving people attention and keeping the flow going. Uh, and I actually did uh, the Naked Show when that was still a thing at the Creek in the Cave. Yeah. So I was well prepared for that. Oh, hell <laughs> I couldn't possibly give a shit. Yeah. And then I invented Naked Roast Battle after that. So when you, you were, just when a you, Naked Roast Battle, we do it every year. It's Gangfest. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's a it's a it's it's a it's a calamity every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, so uh, d just a real quick question about that experience. So when you were trying to keep everybody together. And keep everybody ha like you know just in, in good spirits or anything. While you were naked, did you did you happen to tell a joke that bombed? Like I'm curious what it's like to bomb while naked. Uh, you know it's it's it wasn't bombing. It was exhaustion because uh, when we make our movies, there's also a second constant film crew doing a behind the scenes feature. Mm. And I think our director at this point is aware that that is what our fans want just as much as the movie. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll kind of catch him playing the character of the maniacal director. And he made me do 20 takes of a scene <laughs> that I know we got in five. Yeah. Because I was helping direct it. <laughs> and I saw it. And I knew it was done. And he just kept pressing me. And at a certain point, I turned to the camera crew uh, the behind the scenes guys. I was like, I know he's fucking with me. Show him this. Yeah, yeah. and that because what had happened was this one. I'm naked for a lot of the movie, but in the one scene, it's myself and the person that plays the principal, who's this amazing actor, Babette Bombshell, uh, who hangs out with John Waters. She's a phenomenal drag actress, and this is one of her first roles uh, playing a man, and she's also a very large person. And the bit was supposed to be I run in. And we boom, bump bellies and both fall on our butts. Very slapsticky. Yeah. And at some point, it became a game of gay chicken. 
<laughs> where how lurid can we make this? And I forgot I was hanging out with someone who knows John Waters. Yeah. So I was not going to win. <laughs> and eventually I, it became, well, what if just you fall down to her? And then, uh, you know, your face is near my crotch. And then it became, well, what if I try to help you up and I accidentally teabag you? <laughs> <laughs> and then what if it became, I'm trying to help you up and keep smashing your face <laughs> into my dick. And then once we actually do the final take, she was doing like a Richard Nixon voice the whole movie. <laughs> I would do the take and she just timed it right and opened her mouth <laughs> and let my dick go in and went like a harmonica. And I jumped eight feet in the air. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty wild experience. Yeah. Yeah. All in front of a room full of parents. <laughs> 30 parents of people I've been working with. And then a crew of about 50. That's so wild. Yeah, that really? was a harrowing shoot. We were in a uh, abandoned funeral home that we had. So the reason I went up to that shoot a month early was we needed to find three things. An office, a special effects workshop, and living quarters for 80 people. We found that in one building. And it was an abandoned funeral home <laughs> that we gutted. Uh, cleaned out and repainted the floor so that we get an occupancy uh, license. Yeah. So it was an office. Everybody slept on the floor on air mattresses or yoga mats. And then downstairs where they prepared the bodies had drains in the floor. So that was special effects. Nice. Sick. Uh, but there were four toilets and one shower <laughs> for 80 people. So another thing you learn... Uh, if you are not currently with someone on a movie set, find a girlfriend who lives in town and you have a bathroom and a shower now. <laughs> and I highly recommend it to anyone out of town working on a film. Keep keep somebody in that town. <laughs> yeah, be charismatic. Yeah. You gotta be charismatic. So I like I do like what you said earlier too about how, you know, like make everybody feel included. Cause you know like we I normally ask people to distill like, what is that experience that they got? But you already did that, which is make everybody feel included, which is something that's really present in all the stuff that you do, which is pretty cool. I like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we are going to hop on, and then we're going to open up these chakras from the bottom chakra up. You cool with that? Yeah, of course. Ansley, take us away. Zach, how did you learn to overcome fear? I don't think I have. Uh, uh, I, I have a lot of anxiety and I plow through it. Yeah. Uh, I still have, I, I still have times where I can't leave the house to go to a party, uh, to go to a bar. I have panic attacks all the time. I'm in therapy over it, uh, which is weird cause I'm a very outgoing flamboyant, uh, a braggadocious person. Yeah. Um, I think I always just say, will you Regret if you don't do this tomorrow morning when you wake up. Will is this something you wish you would have done when you, you're old? Yeah. Is this something that you would have regretted skipping? And if it's a social thing, whatever. But if it's something that I care about, I, I got to do it. It's, Did you learn that? Um, like, do you have any experiences that you look back on that you didn't do that you feel like you learned the hard way? Like, I like 
something that is like, ah, I wish I would have done that. I'm not going to make that same mistake moving forward. Yeah, when I had what I consider a lost year right out of college where I just didn't do shit, Um, you know, half looking for a job, kind of being a bum. And um, I think to myself how much further along I considering how much I can accomplish in a year now, Mm -hmm. if I had a head start on that, I to this day wish that I had that uh, extra year. If I had done mics that year, if I had done more writing, if I had even gotten some bullshit job and saved a little money so I could have taken time off to go work on another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm never going to be lazy like that. I, I'm, I'm almost um, an overworker to a, a fault now, I think, because of that regret. So it is, it is kind of funny to hear you say how much anxiety you have and how you sometimes struggle to even go to parties and stuff. Because when you were talking about like your experience with that movie in Buffalo, like everything you were saying in my mind, I was like, wouldn't do that, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. do that, wouldn't do that. Like, how, so, like, where do you? I, I want. I, I'm just curious what your line is for what is a fearful thing to do. Um, I it's so odd. I don't like crowds, but I'm great at crowd control. Yeah, I don't like. Feeling, I think I have uh, boundaries with control issues. So if it's a bar or somewhere where I don't know anyone, that is scary to me. Mm. If I'm working, that's fine. Gotcha. If it's social, I still have major anxiety issues. Okay. So do you uh, do you have an experience like uh, like the, the the most fear you've ever had? Do you know what that is? Uh, it's it's probably just a, an assortment of. Uh, Panic attacks, uh, and it's always malls, uh, really crowded groups. Um, I can't think. Been stuck on an elevator. That's a bad one. That's terrifying. <laughs> uh, where, where were you stuck on an elevator? I've been stuck on an elevator twice. Once at uh, Jersey, uh, New Jersey City University. I was taking classes in high school, like during the summer, mm-hmm. and they had shit elevators, and I got stunk, uh, stuck with a bunch of people. And then I was in France at the Cannes Film Festival uh, at an apartment. And there were about seven of us on an elevator. And my friend Doug was with us who had been there 15 years earlier promoting a movie. And they made a documentary about it. And one of the scenes is they got stuck in an elevator. And we all pile into this elevator. And we go, hope we don't get stuck in the elevator again. And it went, burnt. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, that's that's I get ter- I'm claustrophobic. I, I, I have anxiety. And that was that was the probably one of the worst ones. How long were you guys stuck in there? An hour and a half. Not not all, overnight, but yeah. that's a long hour and a half. That's a long I'll tell you what, half, the yeah. second the elevator hits, you got to pee <laughs> and you got to shit <laughs> there. Your body, the set like I have the same feeling like if I don't get up before my wife and I hear the bathroom door lock just my guts drop <laughs> when the elevator hits and you know you are now stuck <laughs> in a 5 by 5 square with six of your friends yeah your guts hit the floor <laughs> you got you got to get some real pucker control <laughs> <laughs> ironically that's what this uh this chakra the survival chakra is the butthole chakra oh good hell yeah so, uh, 
I mean, I consider that a butthole chakra unlocked, mm-hmm. right? Yes. That is, uh, goodness gracious, man. I couldn't, like, so I was stuck in an elevator one time for like 20 minutes. And what you said is true. Like, as soon as we realized we were stuck, we all had, to, like me, it was me, a cousin, and a friend, and we all instantly had to pee. And we were like just about to, we, we figured out which corner of the elevator we were all going to pee. <laughs> and just when that, like, just when we were like, like unzipping our pants, yeah, you know, like somebody came in and they were like, what are you boys doing in here? Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. I got trapped in a garage too. I, uh, Ron Funches did a show called Get High, Watch Wrestling. And I was on my way there and Joey Diaz had given uh, us, or my friend Luis Gomez, what was called the Star of Death. It was a 500 milligram edible. Mm. And I just ate a corner of the star. That was a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then I went to the show and I did my first dab. And I watched. One second. Uh, Ansley, (laughs) what is a dab? Mm, um, Some sort of drug. I have to name the drug. Mm -hmm. Um, Ecstasy? (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, It's uh, they. When they take THC and they concentrate it into like a wax, so like weed. Okay. And then you light it with a torch into a metal. And it's basically like very high potency, very highly concentrated. It's like taking a lot of hits at once. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I was That's hope- an easy way I to I had that it, nowhere right? in my Rolodex. Yeah, so I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I sort of got I was hoping you were going to. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what that yeah. is. It's because you cough yeah. from it. Uh, so that's. You know how Elmo says to cough in your wing? Yeah. That's what the dab dance is. It's the cough you do from taking a dab. Thank you. Uh, I just learned that. Thank you. Uh, I was hoping she was going to do that and I could middle cue her for the rest of the night. <laughs> she would have been spot on if she did that yeah. and I would have been a bully. So. So I went and watched Ron's show and uh, Mike Lawrence was on and he took me. It was very sweet of him. And then I was going back to my friend's house who I was staying with and he gave me the key to his door but not the key to his building which he said would be unlocked. But then that door, they were doing maintenance, so I couldn't get in. And he had already gone to bed. So I he had a big garage for all the cars in the building. And I thought I could sneak in through that. And I'm the highest I've ever been. <laughs> I walk through it, and the door locks behind me. Oh, no. So I'm just in this garage now. I called him 20 times, and his phone is you know plugged in across the room. He's asleep. And then I see a smaller gate garage with like three cars in it and i think that's a way out <laughs> and i go in and that door locks behind me <laughs> so now i've locked myself in a smaller space i've done the opposite of what i wanted like alice in wonderland that you're yeah, like crawling uh, through a hole in the wall <laughs> after about it. three hours yeah, he ate a quarter of a yeah. star yeah. to a smaller room yeah. <laughs> after about three hours i was like well I'm, i have to pass i'm literally like waving out the thing yelling to people please help me and I was like, I have to pee. I pee out the bar. You saw people like walk by? Yeah. Nobody came mm. to help you? I was too far away. <laughs> and I, I peed out the bars because I didn't want to pee on anybody's car. Yeah. And as I'm leaning on the bars to pee, the whole gate just moved over. <laughs> and I realized it was a sliding gate the entire time. And I could have just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> I spent three hours just not going. 
That's amazing. That is amazing. That's definitely a fear chakra unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ansley, move us along. Uh, so this next chakra is uh, your pelvis. It's a little section we like to call my bad. It's a chance for you to... Um, to offer an apology to the universe, to a person, place, or thing, to help set your karma back to zero. Wow. Let me think about that. That's a, that's a, that's a big one, huh? Mm. It is. <laughs> it <laughs> tends to be. Yeah, and people people typically have to take. Yeah, a yeah. Give me, I apologize for the the long. Don't money. apologize. These questions. If you're not prepared for these questions, they're coming out of nowhere. You don't really get these questions very often. I'm going to apologize to the universe that I didn't find positivity till later in life. Hmm. Uh, I was kind of a curmudgeon. I bitched and moaned a lot. I complained about movies and TV shows like your typical fat basement nerd. Um, and it took me a long time to find joy. And once I did, I think it, it changed me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I became a very positive person. But I wish I didn't do all the bitching and moaning that I had done because I feel like it created a lot of negative energy. And uh, I more or less, I wasn't putting good into the world. And I was expecting it to come back my way. So uh, I hope that through what I do, I'm making up for that. But I do offer an apology for all those years that I could have been a much better person. Uh, how recently in your life have you found the joy? Um, I, I would actually say it's probably around the same. I would probably say in the last nine, ten years. Okay. Uh, right around when I started making the movies and getting real artistic satisfaction and understanding um, what it was like to make people truly happy and mm-hmm. seeing people like helping other people achieve. I was so busy caring about my dreams that I never cared about helping other people achieve theirs. Mm-hmm. And by working on these movies and helping cast people and giving people like even little moments that where they can shine and seeing that happiness in them, that's just as good. That's yeah. as satisfying as a feeling as hitting your dreams. And I think I felt spent so much time worrying about my shit. I wish I had, um, I wish I had uh, collaborated more and been more concerned with uh, other people because that's just as rewarding and it's probably a better path to what you want to do. Now, so when you when you look back. <clears throat> No, before those 10 years, like the movies and shows that you saw, is there any movie or show that you saw like after you found joy, but it was from back before you found joy and you were, and you looked at it differently or are you like, man, this movie still fucking sucks? Oh, there's tons of stuff that I think I was either an elitist about or uh, I just didn't like the kind of people that liked it. Like um, I, this is a very weird example, but I love the uh, artist named Gigi Allen who uh, played punk rock in the late 80s, early 90s. And for years, I didn't like him just because I happened to grow up with people and the kind of people that liked that kind of music were all, you know, pseudo junkies and and jerk offs. Uh, And I just talked a lot of shit. And then I realized I loved it. And I was judging this art based on its fan base, which I think I did a lot. Yeah. Uh, And I think people do a lot. Like... um, and sometimes 
gross and silly is so much fun. Like, you know, I'm not going to sit and listen to Insane Clown Posse, but I don't know if there's two people that have more fun in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like stuff like that. Like, embrace the silly. Like, being cool sucks. I've never been cool a day in my life. Like, there's no, I, I be the silly, like, being silly and having fun. I, I think, like, that's something that in around the same time period is where I figured that out. Like, don't like things based on what it makes you or the label that it is. Like, just like what you like and have as much fun liking it and doing it and being a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Ansley had a, you tried to be cool once, right? I tried. It's hard and it's not fun. You're right. It's always like, it's, I don't know. It's like nothing's ever good enough. And I felt like I was trying to figure out who I was for a long time. And then it was just like, wait a second. You don't have to like fit into any of these groups, right? Like you can just, you know. That's when she met me. Yeah. I changed her life. <laughs> I pulled her, I pulled her down from her high seat in society's hierarchy and made her one of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's all. I mean, that's a, that's a good apology. Mm-hmm. That's like, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the pelvis chakra unlocked. Yes. Yeah. I like that one. I like that. Yeah, that's a, uh, I mean, because you're almost apologizing to yourself from back then as well, you know? Like, yeah, because I could have been having a lot more fun and have been a happier person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, Ansley, keep it moving. Zach, when, uh, how do you deal with disappointment? How do you overcome it when you feel disappointed in yourself? I try to look towards the future. Um, I try not to be too harsh on myself. Um, I recently went through a pretty bad depression during the pandemic. I got really heavy. I was drinking like an animal. Um, I went to therapy. I'm feeling a lot better. I'm still dealing with the repercussions of my physical actions. And uh, But I basically, what had happened was right when it got real bad, New York boarded up. Right. In because it was the fear of Black Lives Matter uh, riots as well, and I had to go. I got called into uh, a job I was working on, and I had to take a cab into the city, and everything was boarded up, and every sense of my being went. This is the apocalypse. Yeah. This is it. Society's done. Comedy's over. Movies are done. Everything you do is obsolete. And your life's over. Yeah. And then I started having like apocalypse dreams. And I went to like a massive depression. And uh, my wife got me into therapy. And that's been a huge deal. And now I can kind of like through a combination of like I'm lucky in that I have come up in comedy in an era where I have a lot of videos of the good things that have happened to me. Mm -hmm. As well as like I have movies and I have footage of some of my greatest achievements. So I can watch that without being like Al Bundy watching himself play football yeah. in high school. Like I could look at that and look forward to it as but well you, as I can you say. You still have your hand on your pants though, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and my wife is still begging for sex. <laughs> uh, and uh, I could do that and remember like all the good stuff as well as kind of look forward to more stuff in the future. And I recently lost uh, a couple friends in the last few years through a varying degree of ways. And now, like, we're about to make a movie that's dedicated to one of them. Oh, hell yeah. Um, he had shot a proof of concept for it and passed away. But we have all the footage. 
that we can edit him into it and finish his movie. Yeah. And I'm about to leave and go. I'm about to go to Nashville in two months and go make it. And now like that to me is like the ultimate like I can look past anything. If I'm going to get to do that, that's that's like one of the greatest privileges in the world. Yeah. If you can, if you can remember uh, one of your apocalypse dreams. I'm very curious about these apocalypse dreams. Everything was that. So like. I know this is a very cliche thing, but like I grew up in Seacoggers, New Jersey. I'm right over the Hudson River. I watched 9-11 out my classroom window. Wow. We didn't look at the TV. My dad was there. My dad drove over the bridge to start helping with rescue stuff. And we didn't hear from him for 12 hours. We thought he died. Mm. Wow. So I thought I watched my dad die out the window. Uh, he went, he actually... I've, Said I really, I've never talked about this until recently. He drove into the city, and he was part of a kayak club. And he broke into a kayak club, tore all the gates down, and turned it into a makeshift ferry to evacuate people. Wow! Um, there's like a museum piece about him. It's incredible, and I really admire him about it. But I mean, I smelled my, like my my wife grew up in New York too, and like. We have kind of, like we've had a conversation. Like, I remember what nine eleven smelled like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a weird thing. And I think there's gonna be more and more people from my generation and a few other generations that have recurring apocalypse and terrorist fears. And I have lots of when I'm in a bad mental state, my apocalypse dreams are buildings falling, bomb squad like bombs. Uh, war footage, like shit, kind of like that, and um, yeah, that's 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 a big part of like when I get real depressed. Yeah. That's what my dreams are. I think I was hoping for like a Mad Max Fury Road with you. Oh no, that sounds great. And, like, <laughs> you know, like holding the head of somebody on a spike. Like, yeah, no, it's very they're very uh, standard. Yeah, the world is over and everything's falling down. Like the scary apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> I have lots of dreams about, and it, it is just because I saw it out the window. I have lots of dreams of watching uh, either New York or a random skyline fall. Yeah, yeah. I used to have, uh, I used to have like uh, apocalypse fantasies when I was in high school, where or it was just like like terrorists come take over the school, and then I have to like climb in like the ducks and stuff, and like get like save people. Yeah. You know, and it was like, but I never knew how to get actually out of the school. And that was like, that was what made it a nightmare. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know enough about infrastructure <laughs> to actually get works. people out of the building. <laughs> so it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that's my apocalypse dreams. But uh, yeah, man, that's, um, that is a fucking disappointment chakra unlocked. Yeah. Did you have uh, any feelings towards your dad? Like, yay, he's a hero. He's going to save people. But it's also like. Man, he just went across that bridge, and you said for a time, like you guys didn't think you were going to see him again. Um, no, I had no resentment. I think that's. I don't think he had a choice. Really, that's just kind of the the dude he is. Yeah. Um, personally, a different person came home. Yeah. And I don't think he's ever been the same. I'm. I it's so funny. I just said this on another show. It's. I don't know what he saw. Yeah. But have you ever met an old person that was like in a war yeah. and, he, and they, they don't talk about it? Yeah. He don't, I don't know what he saw. I think he saw it. Yeah. He saw whatever the shit was, the fallen whatever. Yeah. He saw it. And yeah, a different guy came home. Yeah. 
Um, he saw your apocalypse dreams. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know. Um, you know, things were sure. He, he was uh, he was odd for a while. And look, it, it was it was strained. It was a strained relationship for a while at the time because he was so different and dark. But in retrospect, of course, you know, you have to understand that that's so traumatizing and horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're a kid, you're you're, you're confused and, and don't know where to direct those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. But the, the, the question that popped in my mind when you said he was like confused and dark was like, did he start dressing like you? <laughs> start painting his nails black? <laughs> <laughs> no, he just left my mom. <laughs> It's a, that's a man from a different century, like a yeah. different, a different uh, era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, get he sold his business and uh, got divorced. Yeah, in month, like within months. Really? I think it was like if he was not, if he was gonna have a midlife crisis, I think it sped it the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That is wild. Yeah, that is wild. Ansley, keep it moving. So now we are at the heart chakra. What have you learned from grief? All right, we just got done doing Zach's Patreon episode of Two Jack Bros, Two Jack Bros After Dark. All of our content exclusively for $1. That's not what I wanted to say. All of our exclusive contact for $1. Uh, also, you can pay whatever you want, and we appreciate whatever you are willing to donate to our Patreon. Uh, get in there. Zach, did you have fun doing a Patreon? It was an absolute blast. I can't thank you guys enough for having me. Absolutely. $1. Get you in there. And for that $1, you get our bonus episode to Two Jack Bros, which we call Two Jack Bros After Dark, where we enlighten our guest shadow self. Ooh. As well as our fight commentary and analysis of Ansley's jujitsu matches. Now, let's get back to the show and find out what Zach has learned from grief. I'm going to go back to the scene of the movie that I'm going to go make. Um... I learned to appreciate every conversation you have with somebody. And um, I am one of, I have a lot of friendships where I'm really lucky because I don't think guys say I love you enough. And I have a number of guy friends that when we talk, we say I love you. And we lost one of our, the same guy, we lost our buddy um, probably about a year ago now. And it came out of nowhere, but it kind of didn't. It was really bad. It's it was devastating, and I just you know of course you wish you had had more conversations. You wish you know the last time we talked was a bunch of bullshit. Uh, just you know not mean or anything, but we were just talking shit. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I got out of it, and I think this is a really important thing, is a how important humor is and how important friendship is because when he died we had a group chat where we just talked shit about these like three people who happened to be trauma fans of the movie company Mm -hmm. who drove us nuts and we just had a group chat where we constantly took screenshots of them like being annoying or how much they drove us nuts and it was me him and like three other guys and the first thing i did when he died was go i'm not ending this fucking group chat and i'm not taking him out of it yeah Mm. uh so we just still do it like every week we're posting in this group chat and it makes me feel a lot better and um 
So it was, it was him and another guy in the group chat. What happened was awful. He passed away, and the other guy um, was uh, disfigured. And uh, it was, I mean, it was the day of or the day after what happened. And I texted the group chat. It was my friend Derek. And I texted it to the group chat. Well, Derek, luckily you weren't that handsome in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, this is either going to be the worst thing I've ever done. (laughs) And I'm about to lose four friends on top of my friend dying. (laughs) Or I'm going to let a little air out of this. Yeah. And that's what happened. And while we lost our buddy, um, I feel like he'd be so happy that that's what we're doing. Yeah. And that we're still like, because I don't, I can't imagine having that chat without him in it. Yeah. Um, But it, it's kind of nice. And it kind of like, it is like a weird feeling of that. Like I get to have my buddy around because in this weird way, he's in, he's still in the chat. Yeah. yeah. I don't got to worry about it. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you ever like sometimes like when you, when you guys are going back and forth, do you ever like imagine the types of things that he would be responding? A hundred percent. Yeah. He would allow, dude, he was so fucking funny. So we have, so the movie company I work for, Troma, we've been in business for over 40 years and we have wild fans and a lot of them are, are on all sorts of spectrums and they're unique characters. Oh, you could put a Howard Stern whack pack together of our fans in about eight seconds. And he would play multiple characters and represent. He played a lawyer representing himself and got into an email exchange with this guy who was in a, one movie and wanted to sell eight by tens of himself because he thought he was a celebrity now. So our friend posed as a lawyer representing himself as another character and tried to buy bulk eight by tens from this guy (laughs) and was sending us the legal correspondence and it's the happiest i've ever been (laughs) (laughs) and he did it for no one it wasn't published he didn't do anything with it it was for the chat (laughs) (laughs) that is fun it it is it is fun to, to like make like not make fun of like but just like tease those types of people that like it's not even teasing it's just so that same right after my friend passed that guy unbeknownst posted as so our big famous movie is toxic avenger that guy is briefly in the toxic avenger for one scene and he has been milking it for 35 years uh he plays a kid that's in one scene in the movie and anytime anybody talks about our company, he somehow finds them and messages them to say, I was Skippy in the Toxic Avenger. So he put one of our VHSs on sale in an online group. And uh, the, it's a VHS that on eBay sells for like $5. And he signed it and wanted uh, $90 for it. So in spirit of our friend, I said, I got this one. <laughs> and I went, I'll give you 350 and he goes, uh, $3.50. Yeah. And he goes, you don't seem to understand. I am the star of this film, and I have autographed it. And I just write back, you wrote on it? $2. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Also, 
You guys did the Toxic Avenger? Trauma's the Well, I mean, that's way before my of time. Of course. Yeah, Trauma's famous. I have the hat on. Yeah. And I have him right here. Uh, yes, our most famous movie was the Toxic Avenger in uh, 84. Did you know? Do you know the Toxic Avenger? Mm-mm. That movie, I mean, that was one of the first. Uh, so I, I saw that movie on USA Up All Night. Mm-hmm. That's where many people found trauma. Right. They had a ton of our movies up then. That is wild. That, I did love USA Up All Night, but dude, I would stick to the girl. Like, I don't know. The Toxic Avenger was like the first like campy. Uh, like I wouldn't call it a horror movie. It's a horror comedy. Yeah, uh, that's what we mainly do. I've been lucky enough that I've gotten to play. To- I played Fat Toxie in a uh, VR movie that we shot, um, and that's actually one of the things is you know when we make movies, we have all these extras, and we'll have up to three, four hundred people on set that are waiting for their turn, and we always have a Toxie outfit with the nice mask and everything. So I'll find somebody of the right build. And that's a great way to kill four hours because they're all trauma fans. I'll dress up a big muscular guy as Toxie. He's not shooting that day. He's taking pictures with people because then everybody has something they could take home for. Like, it's just that extra little feel special thing. Yeah. And that was something I... So I created that and I came up with um, memorabilia raffles. So whatever movie we're doing, I set aside shit. So that for the next movie, uh, I have props to give away at raffles. But you can only be in the raffle if you stay to the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. That's, that's how you get people to stick around. Yeah, yeah. So, Anthony, I'll say this. The Toxic Avenger is almost like a superhero movie as well. He's right? the uh, world's first superhero from New Jersey. He was a 95-pound weakling who was exposed to nuclear radiation who became a... Uh, Man of a hero of superhuman size and strength. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's a nerd who is being tortured. He jumps out the window of a gym and lands in a vat of toxic waste. Of course. <laughs> and becomes a giant monster who marries a blind girl like uh, Frankenstein. Yeah. Which is why was that vat of toxic waste even? It was like a little pond. Right. It was a truck full of um, barrels. Oh, yeah. 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 It, was New, it was New Jersey. And then they unloaded. <laughs> they unloaded him. Right? No, they were they were doing coke in the truck and they parked in front of the gym. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. But I thought, I, I, I always, when I think back at that movie, I feel like I imagine him emerging out of like uh, a pond of toxic. You may be thinking of Swamp Thing. Damn it, I fucked up. Mm. Did you guys do Swamp Thing too? No, Swamp Thing is not ours. But Damn. we get we get Swamp Thing and everyone thinks uh, Toxic Avenger is uh, Sloth from the Goonies. Because they <laughs> both have one eye here and one eye there. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, well, that is a grief chakra unlocked. Yes. And Ansley, move us along. We are now to the throat chakra. What's a favorite lie that you have told and you get extra karmic points if it's still in rotation? Oh, I love to stretch the truth. I love I love to massage a story. What's a good lie? By the way, you're the first comedian to admit to that outright. Everybody we ask that is like, oh, I don't like to lie. I mean, I never really lie. And then they tell us like the most heinous fucking lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of it. I, I don't know if I make up lies as much as like I love if if someone has the wrong information, I love to go with it. Like if somebody's <laughs> like, hey, Scott, I'm like, what's up? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what's a really good one. I mean, some heinous ones. Back when I played music, I used to be in a goth band, and I would love to search MySpace 
for girls who liked my band, add them, and then pretend like I didn't know they liked my band. Like, you like my band? That's crazy. We should hang out. Um, shit, I'm trying to think of a really good one. I mean, you always... What's what's a really this is hard for me because I admit that I like I'll go with anything because yeah. if it's funny, fuck. Yeah, this is uh this the, is a tough one for me. I the apologize. Case of too many to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh. So uh, there was a guy in our movie company, Joe Fleischaker, who was the world's largest action star. He was about 500 pounds, and he was uh, an actor in movies we had done from the 80s up until the 2000s when he passed away. And uh, now, as another very large person who works for the company, I get I, I occasionally will be compared to him. One time I was mistaken for him, and it broke my heart. Because <laughs> uh, he was 40 years older than me And about 150 pounds heavier But regardless I had a mask on uh, <laughs> That's how that's how I'll justify it <laughs> We were So he passed away And we had a party for him We had a memorial party for him At a bar And it was a go-go bar It was the go-go bar I drink at Lucky 13's And there was a screening room in the back Where we showed clips of him And people went up and spoke and uh, I've been joking for years. So he would, the there's two bosses in our company, Lloyd and Michael. Michael will not appear on camera. And Michael's very buff, very concerned with his health, works out, eats great. As a joke, they started having Joe play Michael in everything. Mm. So everyone thinks Michael is this 500-pound man. <laughs> That's hilarious. So then when we started doing press for our movies, nobody knew who I was. So I would go, hi, I'm Michael Hirsch Jr. And I and because Michael doesn't like me. <laughs> and I would talk to newspapers and websites and magazines. And they'd go, what's your name? I would go, Michael Hirsch Jr. Very nice to meet you. And it would be in print. And it was just a way to piss off Michael. So... Um, at his funeral, everyone's speaking, and I'm on stage just with the company, and somebody hands me the mic, and I basically do a small version of that. I go, listen, I've kind of been pretending more or less to be Joe's son, so this does hurt my feelings a lot, and, you know, I hope I can continue on his legacy in trauma films. I walk outside, and all the strippers that were working the front of the go-go bar came up and went, we didn't know this was your father's funeral, and I went, Thank you so much. <laughs> and I stuck with it all night. <laughs> so are there people that still believe you're his son? Oh, yeah, tons. It's pretty sick. Yeah, I've, I've, I've yeah. played on that one quite a bit. Yeah. I also love it that you have a job where, you know, you have a boss that doesn't like you and you just fuck with them and then, and then you're still employed. Well, yeah, it's, it's a matter of who can do it and who wants to do it. Yeah. And those Venn diagrams... Have such a slim margin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so. I mean, it's like the, the entertainment industry. Is I mean, so also wild. he doesn't like. And I should. I should make it very clear. He doesn't like anyone. Gotcha. That that walks in the door. He's yeah. been over it. He retired creatively in 1992. Mm, after and, after after. Uh, and we made movies? a movie called Sergeant Kabuki Man, 
that was supposed to be basically our foray into the mainstream. Yeah. And think of it, it was basically pitched as a multicultural Technicolor Batman where a cop gets kabuki powers. I have them on the back <laughs> of my arm. A uh, cop gets kabuki powers and becomes a superhero. And the company that made Pac-Man, Gaga Communications, paid for it with the intention of this is going to be a big American franchise. But then they made a trauma movie. So there's snakes going up people's butts <laughs> and people, ladies getting thrown out of windows. So it bombs. And Michael said, never again. <laughs> so he's basically just been sitting in an office since 1992 going, I can't wait to be done with this shit. <laughs> Sick. Thanks. Sick. That's a good lie. Yeah, That was a fun lie. one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not as much as like I'm lying as much as if information is presented to me, I am very willing to go along with it if it will be funny. That is. But I think that is still... Uh, Karmically a lie. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. Our the, kids wouldn't get away with that. No. 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 Yeah. That, yeah. 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 That's uh, man. That's the through chakra unlocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ansley, keep us moving. All right. So we're to the third eye chakra. So what's some something you thought was separate, um, and now you're learning it is the same. Yeah. So we're out of the physical chakras. We're into the metaphysical chakras now. Something that's separate, but is the same you know i'm gonna go back to something i said earlier which is your joy and the people around you's joy Mm. because helping other people find their joy is how you find yours that was a strong message i'm gonna i think that's gonna stick with me after this podcast yeah that is i mean there's almost nothing more to say about that yeah but it's like yeah Help help people find joy. Now, what is uh? I guess what I'm gonna ask is uh. Like, is there is there is there an experience of helping somebody find joy that was the most joyous for you? I mean, it's always making the movies, helping people find, you know, their dream part or having their little cameo. But even I feel like I was very bit, and this carried on for a long time. I was kind of bitter to be so stagnant in comedy for a long time. And I was mad that there were people that I was in my head thinking I was doing better than on stage and then just watching them blow by me with opportunities. And then I started to get a little and I started to have a different attitude. Um, And I took a beating for a while. uh, And I probably wasn't the most pleasant person. And then I stopped wanting what other people had. Mm -hmm. And now I'm so happy when anybody gets anything. I don't care if they've been doing comedy way less than me. I don't care if I don't think they're fucking funny. I'm happy when anybody gets anything because it's a good thing because it's comedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Like, I'm so, like, anytime, any, like, it would never, I would never be the kind of, like, Anytime somebody, I see somebody get a special or even like the littlest thing, like I'm, I'm over the moon for like, for like, uh, in particular, like, uh, watching Rosebud Baker in the last few years go from somebody who was kind of like a side character to somebody who's fucking killing it. 
because I just and she's so funny and she's so down to earth and she's so sweet and, and to watch her go from roast battling me <laughs> to having a fucking hour special in such a small amount of time I'm just like there's no bitterness like I'm like oh my god I'm so proud of Rosie yeah mm-hmm. and I'm and and more and more as I get older and the longer I've been in the in comedy I'm just fucking happy for everybody yeah and like I don't fucking care what I have or what I got like I'm so happy to be among these people what about like like there has to be people that you don't particularly enjoy like and like yeah, watching but then that's them. not for me yeah like I I, uh, uh, I like when people don't like a movie or a TV show it's like you know shit that wasn't for you you know when when grown-ups complain about comic book movies gee I bet that was for a fucking kid yeah, <laughs> yeah. or or like you know that's just it's it's not everything is for you. Not every job's for me. Not every gig's for me. Um, there's plenty of comics where I watch it and I'm like, well, this is horse shit. But if it makes the people happy, then who the fuck am I to judge? Yeah. You know, I want and yeah, obviously it's, it's a cliche answer with this too, but like you watch in the net and I watch that and I go, I could pause this in any of her jokes and tell you what the punchline is going to be. Because it's fucking rudimentary. Mm-hmm. And she's being hailed as a brilliant writer. But that's not for me. Yeah. Right. Right. It's not for me. I, and I get it. And I we shouldn't be bitter about it. Because it is for people. And if it makes them laugh and it makes them happy, fucking let them have it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch Nanette. I mean, I started it and it was like I... I I, I realized that she probably like wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I'm not gonna keep watching this. It's not for me. You know? It's like I watch comedy to laugh. Like I don't watch comedy to judge whether or not a comedy special was good. That's not for me to do. I watch comedy specifically to laugh. Sometimes I'll watch stuff just to go just to like try and interpret it. Mm-hmm. Like I love watching Lavelle Crawford. Because I don't understand it. I don't know where the punchlines are. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what he's saying. And it's my favorite. I will. There's so many times. Because I remember we're flipping through Netflix. And my wife saw Lavelle Crawford. And she's like, isn't that Huel from Breaking Bad? I go, yeah. She goes, let's watch that. I'm like, honey, this is going to be way blacker than you're expecting. <laughs> this is going to be like chitlin circuit comedy. Yeah. And she's like, I'll, I'll get it. He's like, you know when you go to mom's house for Thanksgiving? Yeah. <laughs> and then, she, you know, she bring out the vegetables, the bacon, the pumpkin pie. And there's no punchlines. It's just a man <laughs> talking about food. Yeah. And she didn't get it. And I was like, oh, no, you made us put this on. We're fucking watching it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because, like, I... Every time I get a chance to see Lavelle Crawford live, I oh, I'm sure he's great live, and I have no idea why I'm. I'm like, I'm losing my mind laughing, and I have no idea what I'm laughing at. It's it's a great time. It's yeah. a great time. But like you said, like half the time, like you said, half the time, you you do he like starts mum he's mumbly, yeah, and you don't know what the fuck he's saying, yeah. But like you you knew the direction he was going because he set it up so well. You're like, I'm sure it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, Lavelle Crawford's the man. But yeah, that's um. I like I like that. I like your um, your crown chakra. Oh no, that was a oh, no, third, third eye chakra. Eye. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a great your joy and other people's joy. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Write that down and keep me happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ansley. And now the crown chakra. So this is a two part question. 
What is one thing you can't give up and why? It's the first part. And what would giving it up mean? Music. Uh, I feel it really centers me. It keeps my day going. It keeps me from freaking out. It helps me sleep. It helps me wake up. It helps keep me motivated. Um, there's no, the most, I saw Weird Al Yankovic when I was 12 years old. I am going to see him again soon. Nice. I will see him every tour until he stops touring or I die, which is probably a good bet to take. <laughs> um, that That's a, a, a unrequited happiness. Yeah. For me to, I like I've been when they go. Would you rather be blind or deaf? I think I would have to go blind, which as a filmmaker is a weird thing to say. But the idea of nothingness at night, because I can close my eyes, I don't close my ears. Yeah. Mm. Um, the idea of not being able to disappear into a record, hmm. and I've recently in the last few years become like a big vinyl collector. Also, that's because I'm paranoid that um, so uh, when you buy something on Am a movie or a record on Amazon, you know, you don't own it. They could take it back away from you. It's it's in the contract that they still own it and you're just permanently renting it. Mm -hmm. And as music becomes all digital, I am terrified of one day somebody doing something wrong or. A record company just going, oh, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So now I insist on having all my favorite things on vinyl. Um, but yeah, the idea of being able to fall back and just enjoy a beginning to end record is probably one of my favorite things. And the idea of giving it up, that's the second question, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like I would be on edge. I would feel a massive hole in my heart. There would be something missing from my life and, and my my ability to function. Uh, I write to music. I have music on a lot of my day. Um, I feel like it's almost a form of communication. Uh, I drove up here to Philly with Louis J. Gomez, my, my co-host on Real House Podcast yesterday, and we just listened to the first System of a Down record. We've never had a conversation about it. We knew every word to every song. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to talk for the whole, which by with Lewis, we talk fucking three times a week for an hour and a half. So we don't really have anything left to say to each other as it is. But just sitting with your buddy and singing a record like like morons, like we're 12 years old. Yeah. And we stole a car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such like a joy and camaraderie to like, or go to a concert and to sing a song with strangers. Yeah. To be in a room to be in a room with 300 people singing a song or to be in an arena with 20,000 people singing a song, you're all connected. And I feel like without music, I would lose a part of my connection to the world and the universe. What, uh, you said you were in a band. What'd you play? Synthesizers. Okay. Uh, we were, uh, had a number of genres we kind of went through. We were, we played goth clubs mostly but we kind of settled on this very weird genre that never really took off it was a thing in la in the early 80s called synth punk uh -huh. and it was like a punk rock band but all keyboards okay um wait net, you know what a synthesizer is 
Uh, make I don't know keyboards. Think of, <laughs> keyboards. <laughs> are those are those accurate sounds? Yeah, yeah, that's about right. That's okay. about it. Okay. <laughs> and I still play. I, like I play. I don't play um, in a band anymore. But that is like one of my stress relievers. I have all my keyboards set up in the house. Nice. Hell yeah, Zach. That was it. How do you feel? Do Very you good. Feel, thank you. Feel you. enlightened? Yeah, that was really nice. Thank you guys. Hell yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. And uh, I even forgot to say this, but yeah. Donate to our Patreon. Join our <laughs> Patreon because we're about to take Zach and put him in the Patreon and enlighten his shadow self because that's what we do. Because this regular Patreon is above. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The regular episode is above. The Patreon is below. As above is below. And we're about to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, did you anywhere you want to direct people? Oh, uh, yeah. Just uh, Instagram. Zach is not funny. My backup Twitter because my regular Twitter is uh, down is ZA Spook Show. And, uh, yeah, please check out Foolishly Ghoulish, my uh, cartoon up on YouTube. All right. And, uh, oh, March 12th, I'll be at the uh, Camden Waterfront Theater. You guys got to go there. I'll be headlining. Uh, I wasn't supposed to be headlining, but our, the other guy had to drop out. And now I'm going to be headlining. And please don't have me headlining in an empty theater. <laughs> I would really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, donate to this Patreon. One dollar gets you all of our uh, exclusive content. And we love you guys, and we're out. See ya. To Jack Ryan.